now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome back to The Walking Dead Wednesday. We're back again. It is I, Chris Honeywell. I'm here with William Robinson. Si, si, senor. Dr. William Robinson, MD. Uh, don't, go, don't, don't go into that. And Sean, the man with a lot of um, catchphrases and quotations between his name, Engel. Pants. I don't know. What? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think well, of anything. Re- you put me on the spot. It actually, I, oh. I, I screwed that up because you never used to sign off as Sean, quote unquote, catchphrase Engel. It would always be yeah, Joe, quote unquote, Joe. Anthrax. catchphrase yeah. Anthrax. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out that I am not a doctor, even though <laughs> you you have found books that you think is uh, contrary to that fact. I got that book home before I even realized that it was written by Dr. William Robinson, M.D., I Dr. Just, William J. Robinson. William J. I am, Robinson. I am yeah. William F. Robinson. Ooh. Frank? You are correct, sir. Ooh, it it is it, Frank. It was Fred was going to be my next one. I'll be frank with you. <laughs> Put on oh, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, we don't want to start puns like we did the other night. Oh, no. Yeah, I picked it up because it was one of those, you know, 20s era hygiene books. All right, tell everybody what the book's about. <laughs> well, the, the actually the 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 one that got the big laugh on Back to the Bins was Dr. Robinson's book on impotence. But that was just an ad for that book. That's not the book that I have. I think the I think the one I have is called Tales Less Told or Tales Not Told and it's just horror stories of of um people going wrong sexually and how it would end in in disaster it seems very dirty dirty but it's not So basically my my college career basically yeah (laughs) but written it's very funny he has to write around everything because it was the 20s but it, it you know it was one of those books that sort of promised to be dirty under the guise of being clinical but turned out to be mostly clinical Pretty much clinical. <laughs> Fifty with, Shades of Anthrax. Yeah, with a great cover though. Those yeah. things I, I love. I love those old books, and uh, they usually give horrible, horrible advice. And it always basically the the moral of the story is is if you have sex and you're not married, it leads to death, <laughs> and or at worst, being syphilitic and poverty stricken. Uh, the Which ironic thing death. is, you know, the ironic thing is, you know, nowadays, you know, being married eventually leads to, you know, misery and death. So <laughs> take that for what you will. No comment. Single <laughs> ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. uh, my wife's not no. listening, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. What, your wives don't <laughs> listen to the show? Are you Only when me? I force it on her. <laughs> I was just going to say, Scott which Gardner's is, which, wife listens to the is, show. <laughs> she probably see, dreads enough, getting in the car with him. Oddly enough, I, you know, 
sex is the other thing that I have to force on my wife, which is odd. Hey, Ooh, next wow. time you guys are having sex with your wives, put on the show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God. There's a mood enhancer. <laughs> the turn on. <laughs> hey, honey, li- listen to this Godzilla song. <laughs> Actually, I did force my wife to listen to this. Honey, you got to listen to this. This is cool. Yeah, she nodded. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, great, honey. You did, you did good. You did good, big guy. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thank you, thanks. You want a cookie? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go back and do more in the garage now. Are they <laughs> snickerdoodles or chocolate chip? <laughs> no butterscotch. I don't like butterscotch. That's how I picture married life from my... Dirty <laughs> hovel. Yeah. My it's nest. <laughs> it's living here in my bachelor hole. It's like a hobbit hole, but it is dirty and with roots sticking up out of it <laughs> and worms crawling well, here, through it. Here's married life in my house, and this actually happened last week. I came home, I walked by two kids watching TV, the dog laying in the floor, the cat on the chair. I don't know where my other kid was. I don't see my wife and I go in the bathroom and I sit down and, you know, doing my, you know, routine Mm -hmm. and uh, my phone rings, my cell phone. I'm like, all right. So I reach down and I open it up. It's my wife (laughs) calling me from the home phone. Uh Uh-oh. So I answer the phone. Hello? Yeah, on your way home, can you pick me up some soda? You realize I'm, you realize I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear you come home. It's like you guys, I walk by everybody. Nobody even sees me. I don't even exist. Can you guys hear each other's voices through the wall and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> no, she was she was in, in the garage. She's saying, oh, I didn't hear you. I'm like, you don't hear that big van pull up. You don't hear the door close. Why would you know I'm home? None of the kids acknowledge me. It's like, you know. So the next day when I, I, I came home, they made a big, it was like, leave it to Beaver. Oh, daddy's home. And they made the dog come up and they're hugging me. Oh, it's so good. To see. I'm like, all right, knock it off. <laughs> this is, this is freaking ridiculous. Every time you come into the house now, you need a pan, a pan with a stick and just be like, bam, 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 bam. Uh, yeah, one of those... life's great. Get one of those aquatic boat horns and just like when you walk in the door. (laughs) (laughs) No no respect, I tell you. No respect. All right. Whoa, Walking Dead. I think that's what we're here for, isn't it? Yes, I believe we're on issue 51. I don't know. It was so long ago that we uh, did the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, hours, yeah. it's like days. <laughs> Minutes would seem like a month. Pretty much. But yeah, this time out, I've got the I've got the synopsis, so I'll go ahead and start off with that. Uh, yeah, we're covering Walking Dead 51. Uh, it uh, came out in July 2008. Uh, same people doing it. Kirkman writer, penciler, inker, cover artist was Charlie Adler. Gray tones and cover colors was Cliff Rathburn, and letter was Russ Wu. And... It starts out a few days have passed at the house that Rick and Carl have been staying in. Uh, Carl sees his dad emerge from the next room and asks if he's feeling better, and Rick says that he 
he is with the antibiotics and medicine starting to kick in. The two assess their food situation and find out that they are severely lacking with only green beans left to eat. Ugh. Saying that he'll have to settle, Carl watches Rick, or Rick watches Carl reading a book. Somehow, something that would have taken up, uh, something that would have been taken up with playing video games before everything turned to shit. But amused how his son has adapted these changes, Rick tells Carl to go into the kitchen where he can get more light for reading. And as Carl gets up to go, but before he leaves, he asks his dad to come with him. So. Carl's not quite ready to be on his own yet. We cut to a few days later as Rick and Carl are checking the house for supplies. The food supply is still pretty limited, but they found some extra toilet paper, so that's kind of a bonus. The two head out uh, to the next home to search for provisions when Rick hears something, and he and Carl run into the neighboring home. Wide-eyed, Rick grabs the phone, and to his surprise, hears another person's voice on the other line. Carl asks what's going on, and Rick tersely shushes it. Rick says that the person on the phone... Rick asks the person on the phone where she is, and she replies that she and 14 others are in a safe location, and they've been trying to reach anyone else. Rick asks if he can come to meet them, and the woman says that she's had some run-ins with bad people. But she says that she'll talk with everyone there and see what they think, and then they'll call Rick back the next day, at the same time. Ecstatic that they may have found another group of survivors, Rick happily tells Carl to skip the green beans, because tonight, they're going hunting. We then cut to the Grimes walking back through the forest, unfortunately without any fresh game with them, when they come across a man being mauled by roamers. Carl prepares to fire on the undead, but Rick stalks it, stops him, saying that there's nothing that they can do for the victim. On the way back to the house, they come across the car filled with gas and extra provisions. Carl wonders why someone has this prepared would go into the woods unarmed, and then he realizes that the man may have been kind of like Carol and just had a death wish. Later, a couple more days have passed, and Rick is talking with the woman on the phone again. She says that she trusts him, but the others that are with her aren't really certain of his intentions. Rick tells her that if conditions get any worse, they might have to leave, and the woman he begs, and then the woman begs him to stay for just one more day while she tries to work things out with her friends. A few more days have passed, and Rick and Carl are lying in a field waiting for some prey to come across their path. Carl asks the woman, uh, Carl asks about the woman, but Rick is cautiously optimistic realizing that calls could be coming from someone from Woodbury. But the pair really hopes that these people can be the answer to all their problems. A few more days have passed, and Rick is telling the woman on the phone that they are running low on food and they haven't had any luck hunting animals. Rick says that they're going to have to move on, which pains him because he might never get a chance to talk to her again. The woman understands the dilemma, and Rick asks if he could get the phone number there. Realizing that there's really no way for him to trace the number, the woman relents and searches for the number. Happy about the advancement of trust between them, Rick mentions that he's never asked the woman's name. And in a hushed tone, the voice on the phone replies, Rick, it's me. It's Lori. Stunned, Rick follows the phone cord to the outlet and unplugs it, but the voice on the line asks if Rick is still there. Lori says that it wasn't his fault what happened to her and Judy and that he shouldn't blame himself. Rick tries to apologize, saying that he could have left sooner and they would have all be alive. He watches Carl walk across the doorway in the other room and then asks Lori if this is real. And after a long pause, Lori says, Don't be silly, Rick. Of course it isn't. Carl enters the room to see his father in tears, asking what went wrong. Rick tells Carl to pack his things, that they are leaving. A little while later, the two are loading up the El Camino and preparing to head out. 
Carl asks about the woman on the phone, and Rick says that she was just a crazy person and the people with her were dangerous. The two get ready to go when Rick takes a moment to head back to the house to grab something. Entering the kitchen, Rick takes the disconnected phone, places it in the backpack, and walks out to awaiting Carl in the opening row. And that is issue 51 of The Walking Dead. A bit more heady than the last issue, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I have a theory about this. Let's see what you guys think, or if you guys thought the same thought that I did. Do you think I got Rick, two theories, too, but go ahead. Do you think Rick was contemplating maybe killing himself and, and Carl, possibly, on some level of his obviously deranged mind? And that what is what... Because basically he was getting a call from from the dead, and he, he, you know he was asking basically he was asking Lori's permission for them to join them. You know what I mean? Am I reading mm. too much into it? No, that's that's an interesting theory. I never really thought about that. You know, I just thought of it more of Rick's loss. You know, leading the psycho psychosis to to want to find someone, anyone, for absolution, it, and you know the the idea that there would be a phone call from someone, you know, and it eventually being Lori was just his deranged mind. See, I'm wondering if the others with her aren't, you know, basically everybody who's dead, <laughs> that you know, since the beginning, you know, Shane and. That, that was one of the things she said in in the book that there are 14 with her and i was wondering you know uh, was it 14 members of the group that died and i i've got to think that there were more than that i know i know so but... uh, maybe it's just the people that were in the prison that died so so do you think uh, the point when they walk out of the house and then rick's looking off in the distance and carl says you know says dad and rick says it's um, it's summertime, Carl. It's wonderful out here, and we can enjoy it. Now, y- there's zombies out there, so maybe at this point, and, and, and it's at that point that he hears the phone ring. So are you saying that maybe in his subconscious he hears the phone ring to the street? Because maybe he was going to take Carl out, and they were just going to, you oh, know. Oh, maybe. Get, oh, my God. Get, right. Outward. A little bit of mice and men there. Yeah, and, you know, like maybe he, he was ready to just go out there and, and you know, he, he heard the phone and then ran and, back in. And that was, yeah, at the last second. And that and that made him stay there. Yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, that is a sort of weird scene too, you know. Yeah, because he's just it's, like it looking like off the distance. It seems like a throwaway scene, but the the way you put it, yeah, that sort of, sort of, sort of fits in with it maybe. Yeah, I thought that was his subconscious kind of telling him, no, you need to keep keep going on you shouldn't you shouldn't end both your life and your sons mm-hmm. you know that you know you can make it through this keep going so yeah that's an interesting theory there and, and i had a i had another little maybe a little side theory that kirkman's showing us a maybe a parallel in the fact that carl carl is starting to read a book and usually you read to escape mm-hmm. and now rick Rick is escaping through the phone conversation, so they're each escaping from reality in their own way. Which, yeah, I mean, they. I mean, obviously, Rick's is a little bit more. They've had a lot of people die, but Lori and the baby are a huge deal. You know, that's just. 
but you know, like like Carl's reading a book to escape, and Rick's hallucinating to escape. Yeah, I, I, I mean that. I mean that doesn't really go with your theory. It was just one I had. had oh, out of my, true. Out. Well, I mean, I I think escaping would be just sort of almost like the natural, just sort of a natural instinct of the psyche during such mm-hmm. trauma, you know, and and at the same time, there's also. With 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 Carl, it's also they're sitting inside a house all the time, you know, with with no electricity, mm-hmm. and something. So he's got to find something to do, you know. And yeah. Now, <clears throat> my other little theory, and the first thing I thought about the guy in the woods, I didn't think he was trying to kill himself. I thought he was maybe going off to go to the bathroom. That would make more sense. <laughs> I mean, it just yeah. And even when I read, read the line where he says, "Oh, I get it," like what Carol did, I'm like, "Well, wait a minute." Carol threw herself in the way of his. Oh, I see what he's saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I, uh, yeah, I don't know though. I mean, old habits die hard. But in and if I was driving around and I had to go to the bathroom, I'd just pull over and shit by, you know like open the door yeah, I, and shit right there yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know so I why would you right walk away and... from, from i mean maybe the guy was just going off in the woods to to, to die i i don't know but i guess it, maybe it was just I, I that wasn't the first thing i thought of no i didn't weird. think of it till they brought it up you know i didn't really it didn't seem like that it just seemed like the guy had got caught unawares you know yeah that that's that's kind of the way i looked at it as well yeah it didn't seem it didn't seem from the way he was being attacked that he was accepting of this happening. No, he was screaming and flailing, it looked like. But then again, they say, like, I, I watched that documentary about the people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And they had one guy who survived. And he said basically his first thought when he jumped was, man, Fuck. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, <laughs> that was a bad idea. I really regret this. <laughs> And that was his, you know, so that could have happened too. As I'm looking through here, almost every time Rick is on the phone and you see Carl, Carl's reading the book. I don't know well, if that on, goes along with on they're some both level, escaping. Carl must know something's up, but because he must never hear that phone ring. Yeah, that's you know, true. Right from the beginning, you know, he just he didn't hear it, and he's just sort of accepting it. So, I mean, they they've still. I mean, time has passed, but they still must be in shock. You know, they, they, it's it's amazing they're acting as coordinated as as they are. But um, I don't know. I think my theory is like uh, you know uh, uh it's out there. You know, it's I don't know. I I don't. I'm not convinced that's what Kirkman was thinking when. When he well, no, I mean it definitely it, it, that I definitely thought that might be a possibility. It was so you know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of uh, like su- the summer of Sam or the you know the son of Sam killings where the guy had the dog telling him stuff. You know, he's having conversation with the neighbor's dog and stuff like that, or mm-hmm. you know, or or something like that. You know, some part of Rick's psyche just split off. <laughs> And is now using the phone as a prop, you know, to talk to itself. Yeah. Because it's been split off by trauma or whatever. Well, and spoilers, you know, ahead. I mean, we'll see, we'll see the phone come back in later issues. I mean, Rick will use the phone, kind of as, 
you know, a way to deal with his grief. You know, since he really doesn't have, you know, since he doesn't have Lori to talk to in real life, he'll use this as a way to sort of cope, mm-hmm. you know, with the death of Lori. And, uh, you know, this is his way of talking to her. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's still, even so, it's just such a weird, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's obviously unhealthy because you're, you're sort of also running the risk of somebody seeing you, you know, Carl seeing him talk, you know, from now on, whenever he talks on the phone, he's going to be completely bull goose loony because it's sitting in a backpack. <laughs> it's not plugged into a wall anymore. You yeah. get, Carl, you might it's be able to talk. It's a portable phone. Yeah. I'm it's a talk- portable phone. Really? I'm talking to you on a portable phone. <laughs> and I, I, I would have really been more suspicious that it was Woodbury. Another thing that I wondered about the last few issues since 48 is, um, I guess Rick just gave up on the governor. Because <laughs> I don't think uh, that Rick was gone before the governor died. He didn't see the governor die. So he probably... Well, what's he going to do? Okay. I don't know. But Carl is not an army to go back and take on. He doesn't know what happened. As far as he knows, the governor had all those people there, and they hightailed it out of there. What's he supposed to do? That's true. Yeah, he may just just be willing to to move on. He may not. And and it may not. It may be the grief, you know, overwhelming Mm -hmm. him that he's not ready to to hold the grudge against the governor. Yeah, at this point. If you're more worried about survival, revenge is not something you can. I would think, you know, you That's you true. have to have safety first. That's true. You know, well, food, it's just food, it's food, shelter, then revenge. Carl's always got left too, so and that's always been his priority was his family. Yeah. And then what would? Yeah. So, yeah, there goes that theory too. All going down in flames. Like a different balloon. Down. Like Carl taking out zombies last episode. I don't think there's any zombies in this episode. Oh, wait. Yeah, they are. They eat the guy at the car. Duh. But there's no zombie kills. Nope. Just a walk by. That's okay. Like I said a month ago. And I remember it so clearly now. That, you know, I could go multiple issues without even seeing a zombie. As long as I know the zombie threat is hanging over their heads or, or you know, or just snapping at their feet, then, well, then I'm and, and like happy. We've, like we've said before, it's it's not necessarily about the people dealing with zombies because the zombies become secondary. The zombies are just something, you know, it's like... It's like cockroaches, or it's like you know a rat infestation. You know, you you eventually learn to deal with it. I mean, granted, these are rats that can, you know, bite into your flesh and turn you into one of them. But you know, it's it's the character pieces that make The Walking Dead, the, you know, the comic that, you know, so many is so many of us just love and have loved, you know, for for years. So the zombie you know it, you don't have to have the zombies omnipresent in in the book all the time you know it, it's the characters that matter in the book mm-hmm. well that's one of the things i like about it, at the very beginning of this book there's two pages just taken up and uh 
and now that I look at them closer, it's it's a total photocopy job. <laughs> it's just the same two frames repeated of day and night, the house day and night, day and night, day and night. Not a single zombie in sight. Mm-hmm. Not one at all. But lots of but weirdly enough, lots of lights on at night. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that. Well, would the zombies really know? Would the zombies signify light with people? No, but how would you turn because... the lights on? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Would you have lights? Oh, yeah. Would you have lanterns? Yeah, well, maybe in every... they've got, maybe yeah, they they've got have candles. Candle. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it looks like there's. But they've got a candle on in every. Well. And they got a candle in every room. Speaking of, a candles, lot of candles, can I bring up a little side issue that I've been meaning to bring up since the beginning of this, but I keep forgetting to. Go ahead. And all right, all you guys remember the original Night of Living Dead. Yes. The black and white. The black and white one, the original George yeah. Romero one. What the mm -hmm. hell were zombies? In, Zombies were deathly afraid of fire. And that is like a zombie trope that di that they so established that in the movie it was such a plot point, you know, that the characters were using fire in order to you know to maneuver and stuff. They were like, "Okay, we'll make torches so we can we can uh drive them back." Gone after that. And uh, out of almost all zombie movies, and out of Dawn, mm. and out of out of Walking Dead, it's never fire isn't really covered in in Walking Dead, and I wonder if that is because maybe after Night of the Living Dead, people who made zombie movies realize that fire might be too easy of a you know Achilles heel for the zombies. That could be well, because you know fire seems to be more of the trope of uh, the, the the thing against Frankenstein or the Frankenstein. Frankenstein, monster. but so, that but it was yeah. exactly like Frankenstein in, in Night of the Living Dead when they'd come out with a torch they'd put their hands up in the same way and do the like and, and cower away. And it, yeah, well, the the zombies in the Romero in the first Romero movie seemed a bit more. I don't know. They seemed a bit more, and not not really intelligent, but you know, uh, that the, the, they actually had purpose, purposeful maybe. Yeah. So, oh yeah. No, they would they would grab doorknobs and jiggle doorknobs and pick up rocks and pick up rocks and smash windows and stuff like that. Yeah. They I were mean, more. They were more menacing. They yeah, weren't just. They were rival. using tools and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like crows and and monkeys, but. <laughs> Um, like Bob the zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bob, and Bub. Yeah, Bub. And, Bub. What what was the I can't remember the name of the zombie that they gave him in uh, in Land of the Dead, but that guy was that guy was like the Einstein oh. of zombies. Oh yeah, the one that figured out how, how to walk across the water. Yeah, the guy Well, I, I mean walk under out. walk across the bottom of the river and come up on the other side. Yeah, he 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 was figuring it all out real real quick. He was a he was a mechanic. Well, in um, the only thing I could think of that fire maybe isn't really an Achilles heel anymore because uh, I don't really want to go too far into this season of The Walking Dead, but there was a scene where a bunch of zombies were burned up, and yep. when they came back, the zombies were still alive in the pit. 
That's that they true. Were burned up in. That's true. The ones that were still like had enough meat to hold together were still moving around. Yeah, even but, though they were barbecue. Yeah, they were still Cause, still kicking. Because that's another thing that I wonder that like when you know in the way too much time I've spent wondering what I would do during a zombie apocalypse. You know, since I was <laughs> eight years old. Um. I, if I had a place like say like the prison, and I had I would find a nice low area, and I would fill it with flammable garbage, <laughs> and I would collect oil and gas and pour it in there, and then I would sit on one side of it and make a hell of a racket and lure as many zombies into like a little pit, something that they could stumble down into but would have a hard time stumbling out of. Get enough in there and 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 light them up. Grab, you know, take out like a. Th- I remember in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, I was like, if I was sitting on top of that mall and looking down in that parking lot, why well, I would be tossing Molotov cocktails down there all day long. Yeah, and, and well, taking out twenty oh, yeah. or thirty of them at a time. That's, why not? That's right. They that, do that, toss a. They do to- toss a fuel t- uh, propane tank out and shoot it and take out a bunch of them. Did they in the so, yeah. in, in yeah. Dead? Yeah, because when they leave the mall, don't they have two vehicles right. and they're going through the, the the swarm and they take a propane tank and throw it out and shoot it and it blows a path out? Yeah, I would just be I would just be lighting them up at every every maybe I'm a firebug. Maybe it was because fire, I used fire. to kill the ants with the, the what was it with the uh my, um with the um But I guess the thing that wouldn't work about magnifying, that is because magnifying glass. you're you're uh, not destroying the brain. You're just destroying the body. You're just burning them up. I mean, you may burn them up too at the point where they're no danger to you. They can't move, yeah. but you know they're still. Oh, I don't care know, about they, if they can't move. Then that's fine. I'll let them sit there with their eyes rolling for years yeah. if they. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you burned up the head, if the head got burned enough that the brain eventually. Deteriorated. Seems like it would boil up, and you know, it yeah. seems like there would be even. How would you even move? You know, move mm-hmm. limbs. They would be just cooked into place. So, um, and and the zombies on the TV show, they were they they weren't you know they weren't flailing around. They were just sort of like crisping from side well, to you side. Know what? There was another scene. I don't want to mention who in this last season that. Uh, this specific person was rounding up captured or trapped zombies and then burning them up too. I don't want to say who because it it's a spoiler if anybody hasn't seen it. Yeah, but that was the but that's been established and that was in Night of Living Dead too of like yeah disposing of them and and they do that mm. in Walking Dead too. They make a big pile of them and burn them up at the at the prison and stuff like that. But light them up. Yeah, why not just burn them in the first place? <laughs> you know, I mean, basically, the the best zombie trap in the world is just a pit <laughs> with a little puppy in it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't even have to. It just could be a tape recorder playing, you know, Slim Whitman or something, and that would be enough to <laughs> draw. I think that only works on on Martians. Hard Martians. Uh, and- that that yeah that makes their heads explode. No, you need to tape recorder. Spock, help, help me, me Spock. Spock. <laughs> See, that's what Scott and I would be doing. That's what we'd be doing is we'd be sitting at the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Spock, help me, Spock. 
<laughs> to the... Now do Lincoln. Kirk. <laughs> Help me, Kirk. <laughs> well, see, Who says we can't bring do. Star well, you've got. If you're gonna have a zombie apocalypse, you need to have some fun with it. That's right. Where else can we cross Star, Star Trek with zombies? That was another George Romero trope. Uh, was you know he always made sure to show that the the rednecks actually were enjoying the the zombie apocalypse. There's another one. Blam. Yeah. Su- I mean, it's like super hunting season. <laughs> well. When, when do you get to kill actual people? Right. I mean, you know, that aren't people. Down in the South, that might be something that you're looking forward to on a weekly basis, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I have a feeling there's a lot of people walking around out there that, like, you know, prison is basically keeping them from, the thought of prison is keeping them from, from just taking pot shots at people, so... Yeah, a zombie apocalypse would be... And I gotta say, you know, I think I would enjoy it too, you know? There'd be the horrible thing where you'd have to put down those close to you or somebody you know or something. But just think how awesome it would be to, like, meet, like, the boss that fired you and see him shambling down the street. Oh, I I would get him before he turned into a zombie. (laughs) Hey, you're gonna. Hey, you're here to save me. <laughs> Just. So, oops, sorry. That's your zombie. Yeah. Hey, it's apocalypse. My bad. Game on. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there would there would be plenty of that, and and we'll see in the comics too. There's well, we've seen with the governor. There's some people who sort of revel in in the fact that they get to to kill zombies. Well. Boss thing, you could just say, you know, I'm I'm saving you from from becoming a zombie. So, you know, this yeah. way I'm just doing you a favor. I'm cutting out the middleman. Wow, it's really funny. People think of uh, superhero comics as being wish fulfillment stories, <laughs> but now I'm starting to think of The Walking Dead as maybe a little bit of wish fulfillment going around. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I do. I know what I mean. <laughs> I'm the kind of guy when I'm riding around in any kind of vehicle, I like when I'm just sort of, you know, not paying attention and, and just daydreaming. I'm always daydreaming like Sidewinder missiles coming off <laughs> the side of whatever I'm riding and twisting off towards the skyscrapers. So oh, read into that. I've always... Well. I've always wanted a vehicle with a double-bladed snowplow and a and a rocket launcher to the strapped on the top of the hood, of, of the uh, roof. Sure. Oh, so yeah. I can just blow them up and push them out of my way. Yeah. Clear a path. Do you either so of you guys? The, oh, go ahead. The seventy-three Oldsmobile. So basically, the <laughs> Sam Raimi's seventy-three Oldsmobile <laughs> from Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah, basically. Exactly. But I thought of that way before that movie. <laughs> I used to have a 79 Oldsmobile, Delta 88. Wow. Nice. It was my grandmother's car. The only car Bought I ever for... owned was a 72 Plymouth Fury. Ooh. It was like, that was like a tank. The doors a 72? on 72? That... Oh, wasn't that like that? Oh, that was solid, wasn't it? 
Oh my god. I only drove it like three times before I sold it. I never, I've never really wanted a car and I inherited the family vehicle. And, uh, and the, these were the day, the, I'm sure you could still do it around where I grew up. But, you know, you could drive right down. My dad was like, show it. I already knew how to drive by then, but I was riding with, I didn't even have a permit. And we'd drive down the back roads. And you'd go up a hill and it would be like being in a boat going over a wave, you know. You'd see the bow of it raise up, you know. When... <laughs> you crest over the hill. Yeah, yeah. The the hood of it was so goddamn big. It was just room. And I'm glad I didn't. that wasn't my teenage car. I couldn't have afforded to put gas in that thing. It must have just sucked down oh. gas like it was nobody's business. And I, I ended up selling it to one of my friends who had it in his yard tinkering with it for years and years <laughs> but um do either of you guys know when um um oh what's that new zombie movie why don't I remember the name uh, World War Z is supposed to start isn't that supposed to be pretty soon I think that's this summer this time yeah, yeah I don't know when that's starting I don't know how I feel about that this seems to be a whole new kind of zombie, like the rolling it, wave of humanity zombie. It, but uh, the whole uh, World War Z thing, you know, I read the book, and then, you know, one of the guys in it who was narrating it, was there was like Alan Alda, and I know Mark Hamill was in there, and I said, Hen right. the Really? First, wow. Yeah, Henry, yeah, Mark Hamill plays like a, a military guy in the audiobook. But, uh, the whole concept of the book is is the history of what happened with the with civilization dealing with a war of zombies and it talks about this there there's this vignette with Henry Rollins defending this uh, sort of uh, Hollywood stronghold from a zombie attack there's a talk and there's a part where they talk about this big battle outside of New York City with all these zombies you know just coming by the military and the military not being able to take them down because conventionally they're supposed to you know shoot at the torso and that doesn't do anything they just keep coming and they overrun the military and uh it looks like the movie itself uh, is gonna be just it looks like know, they're gonna take well the book was almost like this uh ken burns documentary almost yeah and uh and it was, and it brought you to different parts of the world and different, um, you know, conditions and situations, and would bring a person out from there to sort of, you know, I, China was was it China or Japan? Was, I think it was I think it was Japan where the that was the first place where they initially that was the first place where they had the patient zero. So yeah, yeah, that part that part's really interesting. But um, oh, it looks like they're going. Yeah, it looks like they're going to take the Brad Pitt character and have him be the kind of character he's going to get. We're, maybe you know, I, I'll have to give it a re-listen to so I actually get the characters' names again <coughs> and get refreshed on it, because maybe we'll meet those characters. Maybe he'll get bounced from one place to another, you know, in this. And so it'll. It'll be the same story, just told from his point of from view. From his point of view, of different vignettes. Well, if they do that, it could be interesting. But you know, uh, initially, just the look on it, it looked like your typical. You know, I would have done it like a Ken Burns documentary. Oh yeah, that would have been perfect. With with, I mean, 
the the thing is it takes place in modern times so all you have to do i mean there would be up to a point tons of news footage <laughs> you would have lots of mm -hmm. like really nice detailed news footage early on then you would have a lot of handheld cameras running and then you could probably do it with still photographs and snippets of video and stuff like that i think the way people are used to watching stuff now that people would go for that you know i i don't think it had to have been an action movie i think they'll make more money as a brad pitt action movie yeah i think that's kind of what they're selling it as and that's not how the book and how the audio book were so no but, you know, they, but that, i mean the book sold yeah. a trillion copies so i mean oh, yeah. you would think they, they they would consider maybe the tone of the book being what they'd want to go for yeah what did you see the there, there was a show on Discovery oh, within the past two months or so. I remember there was people that are prepping or preparing for a zombie apocalypse, and they explained why, and they were talking about different news art, uh, new, news events, and one of them was uh, that attack that took place down in Miami with a guy that supposedly was taking the bath salts yes. and uh, flipped out and ate off the face of the homeless guy. Sure. That, I mean, that's totally a news story from the beginning of any zombie apocalypse movie going on in the background on the TV, you know? So mm -hmm. I think it's sad to say that there's a lot of people who don't really know the difference between reality and <laughs> fiction in a lot of things, you know? They'll, Get out. So, so you know, they've grown up just thinking that maybe zombies happen once in a while. So that's where those zombie movies came from. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain intense stupidity like that. I mean, mentally, yes, I'm prepared for a zombie apocalypse. I've thought about it in my head. But I don't have my... Well, I do have my zombie fighting tools, but they just happen to be like the stuff that's in my garage anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Lots of sticks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make a, a stronghold up on you know up on in a, a stronghold treehouse or something that I know the zombies won't be able to get to with downward facing spikes and stuff like that in preparation because I don't know I think the odds are actually pretty slim that we will actually. Better chance have... of getting got. I got more chances of being hit by a hurricane than I do having a zombie apocalypse happen. Yeah, by like yeah. a thousand million fold. <laughs> yeah, especially living in Florida. Yeah, and I live about two miles from the from the west coast of Florida. What about you, Sean? So. You get do you get hurricanes yeah, we've too? Got, we've got we well no we get tornadoes. So you get yeah. tornadoes and really cold weather. Yeah, so we're you know we're chances are it'll uh, you know will die from either a tornado hitting her house or, you know, it freezing up and us not being able to get to the local supermarket. And That's something nobody's had in a zombie movie. Not true. A tornado in the Midwest, like, just scooping up zombies and flinging them all around. <laughs> flinging them everywhere around. Yeah, they're just dropping out of the sky. Oh, my God, you know, that would be a great scene in a movie. You it's know, feasible, I think, too. I think you just gave Sci-Fi Channel... <laughs> Their <laughs> idea. Zomnado. Zomnado. Zombie Nado. 
Yes. It's oh my god, it's a Zomnado. It's a perfect storm. As a matter of fact, they're, a... they're free to take that idea and run with it, but please don't attack. Don't give me any credit for it if it's going to be on <laughs> Sci-Fi. Thank you. Lorenzo Lamas is going to star in it. <laughs> the day the zo- the day it rains zombies. <laughs> I'm telling you, oh my god, we're making a joke as we speak, but this is probably what pitch meetings are like at Sci-Fi. Hey, we've got an F5 tornado, and it hits a herd of zombies. It's soul. It's tornado mixed. It's Twister mixed it's with Twister Walking meeting. Dead. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954.
This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. <laughs>